welcome to the Canberra Times Sport Podcast. Chris Dutton in the nosebleed section with you again this week. And I'm joined by the great man, David Polky Polkinghorn, to do a bit of a wrap-up of all the big news stories in Canberra sport. Polky, thanks for popping in. In your last day before a couple of days off. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, just a few hours to go and then we can uh, all play golf like uh, God intended us to. Well, you, you were up in Sydney playing a bit of golf last week. Give us a rundown. How'd you hit them? Uh, up and down. Some good, some bad. Uh, played Bonnie Doon, which is a, a cracker, and uh, Cromer, which was quite nice as well. Very good. And you're in comp at Federal tomorrow, I'm assuming? Yep. Yep. Probably 38, 42, somewhere around there. Nice. Uh, good news for a few golf clubs last week, actually, with the change in the ACT restrictions, you can now have a beer after your round. I know at um, Belcon and Magpies and at Gungahlin, I think. Um, you, I think that's been in for a, a few weeks, actually. Yeah, well, Junior was saying the cafe was open, but you couldn't get a beer. And then now you can get well, one. So. Don't, come to Federal, I guess that's the, uh, the answer there. <laughs> right. And how much are they paying you for this advert? Uh, I'll be discussing terms after the podcast. <laughs> Very good. Uh, all right, Pox, we might as well hook straight into it, just the two of us today while the others are having a well-earned break. But we've got plenty to get through and um, obviously got the Raiders playing the mighty Parramatta Eels on Saturday night. The Brumbies are less than two weeks away from their Super Rugby AU opener against the Melbourne Rebels and the Women's World Cup bid is this week. But we're going to kick things off with a bit of a local sport update. Uh, with coronavirus. So the John Ident Cup, the local rugby union, has set their start date for July 18. So they will be kicking off then at uh, the same time as a lot of sports. Only one first grade team unable to compete. So East won't be competing. The rest of them will all be in. Um, Brumbies players won't be able to compete in the opening stages of the competition anyway. Some big news for... Gungahl and James Dargavel, the former Brumby and Sunwolves back, has signed with Gungahl. So he's coming back to Canberra. And the Brumbies are in the process of splitting up their players that were allocated to East to go to local, uh, the, uh, the rest of the local teams. Um, local... <laughs> so that they, they cannot play for them? Well, yeah, probably for the moment anyway. Maybe in finals I'll come in handy. Um, mm. Give us an update on local league. Polk, they set a date yesterday. Uh, July 25, I think it is, um, the first round uh, grand final will be on probably the Sunday of the final weekend in September. Four teams playing, Gingalan Bulls, Queanbeyan Blues, the reigning premiers, Woden Valley Rams and the Canberra Raiders under 20s could win the competition that's named after themselves. Uh, they've come in to sort of save the day, I guess, in, in a way, with a few other clubs pulling out. Um, they'll play each other three times, three rounds, and then straight into a grand final between the top two. Gotcha. So there's that six teams in the Canberra Raiders Cup that aren't playing? Um, so you've got the Roos, uh, Yas, Goulburn, uh, Tuggeranong, um, Warriors... Shark. Elko Sharks, uh, that's about it, is it? Yeah, I think so. Inter- interesting. It's going to be an interesting comp to see whether players move around to, to um, you know, it could be a really stacked few teams there. Um, and good to see some future stars coming through in the under-20s as well. 
Junior soccer started up last weekend on a cold Saturday afternoon. So the under fives, the under nines are currently playing in small groups. So good to see them back on. And, and an interesting one, which is sort of local, but not really, but we haven't spoken about him in a little while, Nick Kyrgios. Colts. <laughs> what, what have you made about um, of his, him weighing into debate on whether the, the US Open should go ahead and especially after a few players tested positive at an exhibition event over the weekend? Well, I guess um, if, if you wanted to be a bit cynical, you could suggest that maybe he just doesn't want to play. Um, <laughs> so, so he's happy for the, the ATP to be shut down for as, as long as possible, <laughs> given uh, his aversion to travel and uh, all that sort of thing. He, he might be happy for it just to resume um, at the Australian Open uh, mm. in January. Um, that might be best, uh, best case scenario for him um, in 2022 or something. Um, but I, I guess the, the the fact that players have tested positive at the like at a pretend tournament, not even a real one, um, is probably cause for concern and highlights that they really are probably coming back too early. I mean, there's a lot of debate about around you know what what should happen here in Australia when you've got what a hundred active cases in Victoria, whereas like that's absolutely swamped by the number of deaths in other countries. Like mm. it's to, anyone who would consider like going to America or Italy or Spain or England at the moment, you, you just, you're just an idiot. I think if you, if you want to travel to one of those countries, so um, I'd certainly be raising my eyebrows if the camera times was sending me to uh to New York or something, uh, unless they gave me a, a nice hazmat suit to wear around everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think we've got yeah, a few of those lying around the office somewhere. Uh, good. Well, I'll, I'll be off uh, tomorrow then <laughs> um, once I've finished 18. Um, yeah, so I, I think it probably he's probably been justified uh, in a way, really, his, his comments. Um, even even if you should maybe take them with a little bit of a grain of salt. It was funny. I saw I saw a lot of people saying Nick Kyrgios, the voice of reason. They never thought they'd be <laughs> saying that sentence. But um, look, it's an oxymoron, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. But I think I think you're right. I think he's justified. And um, I, as your phone rings in the background, there, I think it's <laughs> um, I, I think it's completely silly that they're trying to go ahead with the U.S. Open, especially uh, considering how. America's been going through all of this. Like, just take a step back, and sport's not the most important thing at this part at this point in time. Um, and we've seen, even in the most strictest of environments, like they have in the AFL, how one player can test positive. So, yeah, I think it's silly to be making players travel from all over the world for a tournament um, that people can't even attend. That's just a TV event, really. So, they might as well be playing it on the PlayStation. Yeah, I mean, if you could, if you could set it up, you'd, you'd need to have these ridiculous bubbles things going on. You'd have to have, you'd have to somehow find the safest place in the world with a tennis stadium uh, and good TV set up, I think, and and attached hotels and all that sort of thing. Yeah. You'd probably have to set up a bubble where all the players uh, were in quarantine. But I guess. Um, in a way, are you then setting up a uh, a ruby princess of tennis? So, well, that's right. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it seems maybe people should just let it go. Yeah, yeah. So Nick Kerrio is still in Canberra at the moment, so we're hoping to catch up with him at some point if we can track him down. Uh, before we move on to the Raiders, Polk, and there's plenty to talk about there, um, especially after you were up there on Sunday for their latest, I guess, disappointing performance is what you could say, even though it wasn't that bad against Manly. But we're going to talk a little bit of Women's Soccer World Cup first. That bid is being decided this week whether Australia and New Zealand will host the Women's World Cup. Apparently the third most watched sporting event in the world. More than a billion people tuned in last year. Was it last year or a couple of years ago? Um, no, last year it was, 2019. So more than a billion people watched it. Um, and Canberra's not going to be a part of this bidding process because... You know, Lucy Bertoldo wrote the story a little while ago saying that the government said that the price on matches was too high. Given the popularity and the momentum it's got, Polk, should, is it something they should reconsider or, or stick to their guns, do you reckon, and, and not be bullied into paying too much for it? Well, I guess um, it, it sounds like these things tend to cost uh, a lot of money and the ACT government's not willing to pay that money anymore i mean it's it's fair enough um i guess they've got a a track record of delivering uh, canberra stadium uh, unlike the the campbelltown stadium which the raiders have been playing at uh, got voted the best service in the asian cup uh, back in 2013 so uh, it's got its credentials as a as a venue for for soccer um yeah i i think the ACT government's been seen as a bit of a cash cow for uh, the uh, FFA in the past, and yep. it, it probably hasn't led to uh, a great relationship between Canberra and and the game of soccer in Australia. So, obviously, this would be a, a FIFA decision, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, you'd sort of in a in a way you'd like them to be involved but obviously if if they're not willing if if they think that the price is too much then i think that's probably fair enough but it, it would be a, a great a great thing if i was a a young female or, or male soccer player um to have uh, some world cup games here that would be just uh, that would be amazing so um i guess it's probably sad sad for the kids but yeah the yeah well made its decision a billion people um apparently watched the last one, which is a, a great audience. And you'd think it would be a great way to market Canberra to parts of the world that may not even know that Canberra exists, those sort of people who think... I oh, say so Sydney, Sydney yeah. and Melbourne. Is <laughs> yeah. that well, that's true. That's a good point. Um, I just wonder whether they will reconsider it. So uh, when the ACT government said no, there was an offer on the table for Canberra to host six games. The, the money that was required to host those six games was in the multi-million dollar range, as, as I understand it. Um, so what, more than $10 million? Uh, No, so I, in between sort of 2 and 10 I think. It's a big range, but um, it was a multi, multi-million dollar request from the FFA to pay for those games, and there was no guarantee that the Matildas would play a, a match in Canberra. And I, I sort of understand that guarantee because we didn't have the Socceroos play a game in Canberra for the Asian Cup in 2015. It's not necessarily about hosting the Matildas. It's about being part of a, a, a massive event across the world. And I do know that there is a push in the background 
to try and get the government to reconsider this, to try and get them to say, hey, let's not miss this opportunity. So maybe if they do reconsider, rather than hosting six matches, maybe they'll, you know, host two or three or something like that. But um, I don't know, I just get the feeling like you don't want to miss out on events like this. And it's hard to have too much a go at the the ACT government because they have been so good at bringing major sporting events to Canberra over the years. We've had Australian Open Women's Golf. We had the T20 Women's World Cup last year. We're not going to be a part of the Men's T20 World Cup because they chose to invest in the women's event. Um, We've had Rugby World Cups, Rugby League World Cups. This is one of the biggest tournaments in the world. I just think like it would be such a shame to... It'd be like having the Olympics on the Eastern Seaboard of Australia and all the major centres hosting some sort of event and Canberra getting nothing. It's how I feel about it. Yeah. I guess another another way to look at it, though, is they've uh, just spent however many million dollars um, on a pandemic. And yeah. is it worth wasting money on a sporting event? Um, or should they be putting that money into other areas um obviously the economy is going to suffer over the next couple of years um they probably need to imagine do a bit of work in the healthcare system to make sure that they're um extremely prepared for if this happens again yeah um but you know it would be good to be involved but at the end of the day uh i guess uh, the price has got to be right yeah that that is a good point It, it it all does come down to money and um, I'm with you what you said earlier Polk the FFA seems to have bullied Canberra for a number <laughs> of years you know the, the amount of times we've been promised an A-League team or been promised this or promised that there's you know we and did host delivered nothing <laughs> that we did host the Socceroos game last year but there's supposed to be a Matildas game in there somewhere as well with this 20 million dollar um, what are they calling it the home of football um, out at Throsby so um yeah, maybe we might see some some changes there, especially because we, you know, Canberra's been such a dominant W League team for a long time. Not not in recent years though, but um, you know, I think we hopefully we see some movement there, and and there, Canberra can play some sort of role in the Women's World Cup, whether it's as a training base. Although the talk is that if you're just a training base, there's not really too much economic benefit to it because people travel to go to games and, and being part of a World Cup is about being a tourist destination, I guess, for international visitors and interstate visitors. So um, You're still going to get, what, 50 extra people in a hotel though? Yeah, well, that's true. That's but some benefit. But you're paying for them is the thing, aren't you? Like that's, yeah. that's what you're paying for. But anyway, um, all right, we might move on to some rugby league now, Polk, unless you've got anything more to say on the Women's World Cup? No. Okay, we we will move on to some rugby league. The Raiders losing to Manly last weekend and they face another tough assignment this Saturday night up against the Parramatta Eels in Parramatta. Um, geez, what's what's going on, Polk? It's been a bit of a yo-yo over since the restart, really, hasn't it? We we all thought the Raiders were going to be world beaters when they, they beat the Melbourne Storm. Um, everyone was excited, rightly or wrongly, but... What's going? They just seem to be um, grinding a little bit, not quite clicking at the moment. Is that fair enough in saying? Yeah, they've just. Uh, I mean, the, well, I guess Ricky's sort of been saying that the attack's been struggling since the second week, 
or the second half against the, the Melbourne Storm um, when they I mean they blew the storm off the park in the, the first 40 minutes didn't they and then yeah um, didn't really fire a shot in the second half so uh, in, in his defense he said it, this has been a problem for a little while um, and I guess people are finally starting to believe him <laughs> so um, but I mean, even then, like if, if you look at the game on the weekend, the Raiders had five chances to score and only took one of them. Yeah. And Manly had two chances to score and took both of them. Um, I mean, obviously that comes with the caveat that if Tom Trebojevic had played maybe the final 30 minutes, then uh, they might have had a couple more chances and, and taken them as well. So um, you, could, you could argue that they're not really that far off. And... Um, Everyone's going on about it's you know and they're awful and all that sort of thing in attack. But I mean, you look at you look at the players. Um, Jack White and looks fairly dangerous every time he gets the ball. Um, it's probably potentially maybe at the moment it's the the right edge would be more of more of the concern I guess for for Ricky. Um, not just defensively but defensively as well. Obviously, Curtis Scott got fairly heavily targeted on the on the weekend, um, whether that's all, all him or, or the players around him as well. Um, that, that side definitely needs to probably lift and um, go maybe one of those good old-fashioned, uh, or these days, a socially distanced bonding session perhaps they could have. That's right. Well, you, uh, the NRL bubble has sort of ended at the moment. You went out to Raiders on Tuesday. Let's have a listen to what Josh Hodgson and Josh Papali had to say. Oh, look, I think probably state the obvious that our attack was a little bit clunky on the weekend. We had um, every opportunity to meet Manly with a few injuries and um, uh, they were down to the majority of the game. So, fair opportunity to be a good team. Uh, so, pretty disappointed that we didn't. Um, I thought defensively, our energy levels and our, um, our aggression was really good. I thought our middle was, was fantastic in that area. I think we just, uh, I think sometimes less is more. I think sometimes we strip it back a little bit, uh, get a little bit more back to basics. Is it as simple as just that going back to basics in the tech, do you think, or is there something uh, well, else you think? A few, a few areas as well that we need to change. I think we sometimes a little bit, a little bit one-dimensional coming out of our own end, and a little bit one-dimensional sometimes in good ball. You can kind of, you can kind of see what we're doing. Uh, so you know, we'll have a look at a few areas there where we can change things up a little bit, uh, tweak a few areas. You, you know, we will what we're looking to to change yeah, too much within the space of a week. But, uh, um, as, as the forward pack sort of got a, a bit of a focus, I guess, against um, their pack, obviously Junior's playing well, um, I think Ryan Madison probably as well, um, a few guys. Is, is that going to be a big focus for, for yourself and, and the other middles? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think Paris probably uh, the, the number one pack at the moment. Uh, we sort of struggle ourselves on uh, being successful here. And, uh, you know, I just think uh, me personally, uh, you know, I've, I've just been, I haven't been up to scratch yet and hopefully I can uh, fix that on the weekend. So, Polks, do, do you think, <laughs> do you think they, do you think it's a matter of the Raiders turning it around or are we putting too much scrutiny on them because of how well they did last year? Like, as you were saying just before, is it, is it panic, it's not panic stations yet or is it, is it getting to that point or? No, not really. Um, I mean, what are we, uh, round seven? There's 
what, 14 games to go before the finals. Um, yeah, it's, it, I don't know, how, how were they placed this time last year? Um, well, more better indication, Polk, potentially, how, is what I was thinking. What about where they were placed at this time in 26, uh, 2017, which was the year after, you know, they obviously had that great run in 2016, made a prelim final, and then... Um, didn't, couldn't get going again in 2017. In 2017, they lost three of their first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. So after, oh, all, were they the one? I oh, know that was, that, oh, that was 2018. Was all by the one point. Yeah, points, yeah. So at the moment, they played six, one, four, lost two, which is exactly it's, which is better off than where they were in 2016. But because it's so recent, everyone goes back to that, don't you? Start to go, geez, is it going to be another year where we wonder what if? But you look at their team and you just think they've got too much talent for it not to turn at some point for them. It's not like they're leaking a heap of points, as we spoke no. about earlier this morning. They've only conceded what... Um, I think that game on the weekend was the second time they conceded double digits this year, which is fantastic for six games. Um it's, it just seems like they're too good of a team to not be able to turn it around. And we're, we're overlooking the fact that they're still fifth on the ladder, aren't they? It's not like they're... Yeah. You know, and two points top. off uh, top. Yeah. They could have gone top if they had beaten Manly on the weekend. So, I yeah. think they would have needed to win well, though, to do right. that. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I, you know, you don't want to hit the panic button too early, but 2017 is a reminder, isn't it, that you also don't want to leave it too late to try and shake things up and just make sure you're back on track. Yeah, well, they're in much better shape than they were then. And um, I guess the thing thing now is that they're, uh, they do have a solid defence and back yeah. then they didn't. And, you know, if, if, they, uh, if they didn't score 20 points, I think it was, if they didn't score 20 points, they didn't win in 2017. So um, basically, yeah, that's, that's changed their... I mean, they've held teams. I mean, apart from the Newcastle and Manly game, the, the opponent scored six every time. So uh, that's a fair indication of how defensively strong they are. Um, and, and that includes the Storm. It's, it's not yeah. just um, the Gold Coast and New Zealand and, and the Tigers that they've beaten, um, keeping them the, to those low scores. It was the Storm as well. So, yeah, I, I think um, you probably want to, if, if things are still struggling in, in six, eight weeks' time, then maybe you start to panic. Well, this was always going to be a little testing period for them, wasn't it? Like, as you mentioned, you know, to beat the Gold Coast in round one and Warriors in round two, yeah, okay, people probably expected that. Um, now look at this run here. They had Manly last week, Parramatta this week. Then they've got St George, which will be their return game at Canberra Stadium. Um, yep. Good luck. Uh, good luck. The Dragons getting anything out of that game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. At their uh, graveyard at Canberra Stadium. Then the Storm. Then Mary's the... Mary's last game in charge. Or... <laughs> then the Storm. Then the Roosters. Then the Rabbitohs. Like that. Th- this is a, a stretch. And do you? A lot of people at the moment, Polks have been talking about that. There's already a massive gap between the top eight and the bottom eight. Do you feel that as well? Or do you think we're going to see that? Oh, I thought you were going to say the top two and uh, the, the rest. Um, well, I guess it feels a bit like there's a bit of a uh, a gap opening up. Um, who's outside? Yeah. I mean, 
I guess out of those teams outside of the eight, probably the Broncos are the only only ones who Jeez, were expected yeah. expected to be in the in the top eight, but they haven't shown anything to absolutely to warrant nothing. You think them coming in, but um, yeah, I guess the the expectations on the Broncos would be that they would be potentially the only team really to to, to mount a charge. I mean, unless the Dragons um, uh, finally start delivering to wow. their potential, given the the roster that they do have. Well, let's um, let's remember that we're living in the real world here, Pogs. Well, you know, maybe um, new coach, new team. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, They've just got to find the money. Is this maybe a good week for the um, for the Raiders to get the Eels as well? Because the Eels obviously had that fast start. They would have put so much energy into that game against the Roosters last weekend, uh, which, yeah, they were in it for 60, 70 minutes sort of thing. You know, they, they could potentially get, um, get the Eels on the rebound there and... and you know, they're going to be mentally exhausted after the build-up for that game against the Roosters, which was hyped up as the match of the season. But um, well, they're likening it. They're currently likening it to a. Uh, and the NRL themselves came out yesterday in their Graham Annesley's weekly meeting and likened it to an Origin game. So, right. Um, which means they they'd probably be able to back up two days later. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It'll be interesting because the Eels have been very good this year and um, long-suffering Parramatta supporters like myself are hoping this is the year, even though we might not be able to get to a grand final to see it. But um, it's a big test. It's a big test for the Raiders, isn't it? You know, they, Manly's ranked lower than, than them. They lost that one. They've been up and down over the past few weeks. This one can just silence a few of those doubts. And, yeah, I mean, we can even notice it because... You know, after the Raiders beat the Storm, on their Zoom press conferences, there were people, media from everywhere, who wanted a piece of the Raiders. And this morning, I think it was just three of you out there, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's because uh, they have to travel three hours to go to the <laughs> press conferences now instead of just um, logging onto a Zoom call in their, in their yeah. lounge room. So the, the Sydney media um, is probably... Uh, apparently, they were a bit upset that... Um, that it was back to a, a normal-ish press conference um, today, so uh, they couldn't they couldn't take try and take over the, the press conferences anymore. Um, but I guess also you said maybe the catching the eels after that game, mm. but they're going to be um, they're on the rebound themselves, aren't they? They're going to yep. be looking to to um, make amends for for their loss, and and I guess. Realistically, they would have taken a bit of confidence out of the, the Roosters game, even though they lost, wouldn't you think? I think so, but it's, um, yeah, I do. I heard a few people say that, you know, the way that the Eels reacted to that loss is a good sign because they weren't just sort of happy competing with the Roosters. So, Ro- Roosters at the moment are, you know, playing some fantastic footy. Um, but the eels, despite you know, despite all their whinging during that's the right. uh, shutdown about how unfair the world was. That's right. Well, they'd probably they'd be top of the table, I think, if it, if uh, Nick Pilatus had got his way and scrapped <laughs> those first two weeks of the season. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you that the Eels, you know, I think they know how well they can play now, and knowing that Canberra is a contender as well, they'll be up for this one as well. Um, we might move Polks to some tips for this week, unless there's anything else in Raiderland that's been happening. 
Um, no, not not really. I think they're they're pretty close to finalising their the setup for Canberra Stadium for that Dragons game. Yeah. Um, there's like while while initially we were sort of thinking twenty five thousand capacity, twenty five percent of that is you know six and six and a quarter thousand, uh, but it's seated only, which drops the capacity back to twenty two thousand because everyone has to be in a specific position. Um, but then also that wouldn't adhere to the social distancing rules, which is going to drop the capacity down to about thirty eight hundred or so. I think um, potentially the uh, the cardboard cutouts could still make an appearance um, being used as social distancing um, or helping with the social distancing. I like it. So, so uh, you could find yourself sitting next to someone's dog or, or <laughs> Josh Hodgson, um, any, uh, any number of, of things. Um, yeah, apart from that. Oh, the other thing was um, the eels are actually – uh, the offload kings at the moment. Right. Uh, I was having a look at the stats before, and they've made a hundred offloads as a team. I think so far this season, and the nearest other team was in the sixties somewhere. So, right. they're uh, they're offload happy at the moment. So that's going to be an area of focus for the Raiders' defence. How um, how good is it to see the footy coming back to Canberra, Polk? Like, uh, I think at the moment the Brumbies are looking for a crowd of between one and fifteen hundred. 1,000 and 1,500 people. Um, the first game for the Raiders will be a maximum of 2,000 is what they're thinking as per the government's regulations. But it's good that good for the players that they don't have to travel and good just for the city as well to have an event on it. It'll be Canberra's first event really since the Brumbies-Waratahs game um, on March 15, I think it was. Yeah, and I guess it means... Um... Uh, Simon Tayun, the uh, Raiders drummer, drummer boy, man, slash man, um, won't be getting kicked out of the car park uh, that overlooks uh, Campbelltown Stadium uh, anymore, which is a, a bit of an odd one. Seeing yeah. Entered a, a brave new world of fascism in, in Australia. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a massive boost. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm excited not to have to drive two and a half hours to go and cover a game of football and then uh, get home at 2am having driven that two and a half hours back again. I'm sure you are. The other thing about the Raiders Eels, just had a quick look. The Raiders have won five of the last six against Parramatta. Um, they have a great record against the yeah. So um, That one was as well the one where uh, in Darwin, wasn't it? Where they yep. Um, yep. The, the Raiders had to uh, fly to Melbourne and then Yep. Stay there for however many hours and then fly up to Darwin. It was a bit of a palaver yeah. uh, getting up there. And I guess also interesting, if you, you look at the stats, for all the talk about the Raiders' offense, they've, uh, they've scored more points than the Storm and the Sea Eagles. Right. Very interesting, that. Very, very interesting. So for all the talk. They'd have to have one of the um, best defensive records as well, surely. Yeah, the only only Parramatta is better. No, right. hang on, and the Roosters. So. Okay, but they're still top three for both. So, you know, there's, that gives you the indication that, you know, we're hitting the panic button a little bit too early. But given the history of the Raiders, have, 
not having made finals in back-to-back seasons since 2003-04, you can understand that Raiders fans are probably um, easily panicked when it comes to things like this. Uh, <laughs> some tips, Polks. Um, let's go through Thursday night. We've got the Panthers v Rabbitohs. Who are you going for? Panthers v... It's a tough one. Panthers. Panthers, okay. Storm Warriors, the early one on Friday night. Oh, jeez. Well, um, <laughs> who knows? What what Storm, What Storm? Warriors team turns up to this? Yeah, um, yeah. And who'll be coaching? <laughs> well, probably one of us could probably <laughs> yeah. coach them Yeah. Uh, for similar results. But um, you know, you'd have to go Storm, really, even though they're going to have to – they've now – Join the Warriors in Terrigal or wherever they're going to live from now on. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. We'll get to that when we talk about some Brumbies. Um, Roosters v Dragons, the Friday night, seven fifty-five kickoff. Uh, Roosters and then daylight. <laughs> the Dragons might not even score. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they might not. Tedesco, whether he plays, will be interesting. I think they might rest him this Doesn't week. Doesn't matter. After, won't, won't make any difference. Yeah. The Dragons might not score regardless. Cowboys v Knights Saturday afternoon. Oh, jeez. Um, well, you, you sort of have to go Newcastle. Um, but, yeah, I think no, Cow- no massive conf- confidence. No, Cowboys still have a fair few injuries and Knights have been flying this year so far. This one's the other one that's hard to pick. The 14th place Broncos versus the 16th place Titans. <laughs> um, well, a blockbuster. I mean, again, you'd, you'd probably have to tip the, the Broncos, but, geez, it'd be good if the Titans won. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? Um, Eels Raiders. Oh... Now, um, the Raiders by four. Now, I might point out that you're a Parramatta fan too, Polks. Yes. Yes. Albeit one that grew up in Adelaide. (laughs) Yes. We'll take it. We'll take it anyway. Um, Manly v. The Sharks, Sunday afternoon. Uh, Manly. Manly. And last game of the round, another Sunday night blockbuster between the Bulldogs and the Tigers. Uh, Wests. Wes all the way there. All right. Although this is probably a game that they lose, really. <laughs> well, that's true. This, they, they tend to lose the ones that they should win, like they did against the Cowboys, or Titans, it was. Titans, yeah. A couple of weeks ago. Um, let's move on to some rugby quickly, Polks, to wrap things up. We're only less than two weeks away from the start of a new domestic rugby competition in Australia. Brumby's hosting the Rebels. But will the Rebels even make it to Canberra? So... We, there's been a lot oh. of about coronavirus down in Melbourne at the moment. Yep. The, um, as you mentioned, the Melbourne Storm have had to relocate or will be relocating this week um, to ensure that the NRL goes ahead. What what happens if Andrew Barr or the ACT government says, sorry, you can't travel from Melbourne to Canberra at the moment? It's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Especially if the cases <laughs> keep going the way they are. Well, uh, um I guess, do we take on board Wayne Smith's idea and merge the two teams? Um, is, that, is that one way around it? That way um, can't be happening at the moment. At the moment. Well, scratch them. Just scratch the Rebels out of the competition. 
It, uh, yeah, I spoke to Rugby Australia this morning. It, it does create an interesting one because they're saying that, no, the game's going ahead. They're not moving. They're, you know, nothing's changed. They've had tick-off from the governments. Government nothing's off. changed? Yep. So um, they're still planning for it to uh, just go ahead as per normal. But I just, I just really? think... Really? Yeah. I, I was a bit surprised. Like, I just think that, you know, given the nature of the virus and the dangers and... Essendon players testing positive, you know. I mean, do, do we need to get Peter Volandis involved with another sport? Does he have to come in and, um, to, to quote Roy and HG, drag rugby, or drag rugby Australia kicking and screaming to the table and sort this out? Like, seriously, what, what would he do? He just moves the Rebels to Terrigal. I guess, yes. I, I think Peter Volandis would be great in rugby union to get things moving. The benefit that he has in rugby league that he wouldn't have if he was trying to do that in rugby is money, isn't it? Um, obviously, rugby's cash-strapped at the best of times and, and relocating a team, uh, <laughs> you know, that could, break the, that could break the code, really. But, um, you know... Well, how much... Take them to the... What's the, the hotel? Is it a travel lodge or something out at Eagle Hawk? Put them there yep. or... Yeah. Um, I Get don't them. know, is it... They can run up and down the um, federal highway. To yeah, fit. why not? Uh, get them playing at Goolabri out there. Is the golf course still going out there, or is it? No, no, that shut years ago. Yeah, I think that's so. right. But yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because, like, geez, it would be horrible for rugby after the dramas it's been through over this year alone already to then have potentially the the rebels not being able to travel for the first round of the season would be quite tough. Um, on everyone really because you just want to see this season get up and running so hopefully it can go ahead the word out of rugby <laughs> australia and the brumbies is all systems go and they're planning for it to go ahead so um there's no travel restrictions in place as yet rugby players are also in a bubble uh and my understanding that all of the rebels players were tested for coronavirus maybe this week already and all return negative tests so that's where yeah, that's but that, that doesn't mean anything for in two weeks time is it too late should they be moving to uh, albury or something and uh, potentially i don't think it's too late you can't have crowds anyway so like yeah why not move to move to wagga because albury council mm. or the albury council doesn't want professional sporting teams in there so get them to wagga i'm sure it'll be a little bit closer than albury so a quick um, bus trip up the road um Let's have a quick listen to what Darcy Swain had to say today. The Brumbies locks have had a fair few injuries, but he's hoping to use this season to push his case for Wallaby selection. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, the departure of Isaac Rotter, who was um, sort of a prominent lock in Australia and, and held down a Wallabies jersey for a while. Um, and, you know, just a lot of older guys leaving carts, Rory. Um, Luke Jones, of course, going. Um, there's a lot of guys leaving, so... Yeah, you know, it does put a big emphasis on, you know, the next sort of upcoming generation of, of not, not just locks, but players in general. We see, like, guys like Noah, you know, he's in the squad um, going really well. And I think it's sort of um, just a real big opportunity for everyone um, to put their hands up and, and try and stake a Wallabies jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's just, I guess, the opportunity and how rugby goes, mate. Like, a couple of injuries. Um, to, oh, Bevy leaving and then... Um, yeah, Nev going down. It's um, yeah, it's just I guess it's just an opportunity for me to to stake 
put my hand up and, and try and come back into the starting team. So, um, you know, fingers crossed next week, I, I do that and play well and can hold my spot. And the other thing about Wallaby Selection Polk and rugby in Australia is Dan McKellar and whether he would be able to do two jobs at the same time. What do you think? Do you think Dan McKellar could be a, a Brumbies head coach and a Wallabies assistant coach effectively at the same time? We obviously saw Stephen Larkham do it. Um, is it something you'd be happy to go back to? Uh, well, I don't see why not. Um, they don't really overlap at all, do they? It's, no. The, the comp Super Rugby normally shuts down for the Wallabies. And, uh, yeah, the, the other tours at the end of the year, I guess it, probably the person you should be asking is Dan's wife and, uh, and the kids, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> They're probably the, uh, the ones um, who have more of a say in whether he can do two jobs and whether he can actually do two jobs. I think that should be, yeah, no dramas there. Um, I mean, part of his, his job with the Brumbies is keeping an eye on the other teams anyway and, and what they're doing. Um, their strengths and weaknesses, etc. So, yeah, no, no dramas at all. And and I guess, given the talent drain, like personally, I think it'd be a waste to take Dan away from the Brumbies' head job just to be a assistant with the Wallabies. Like, yeah, yeah. You're, um, yeah. I, I think that'd just be ridiculous um yeah i agree and i had this conversation with Stephen larkin plenty of times when he was deciding whether to stay with the brumbies or go to be a full-time wallabies coach and you know there, there were positives and negatives to both of them if you if you go to the wallabies as a full-time assistant and the wallabies do well well then you're in line to be the next head coach but if you go to the wallabies and they flop like they did you know, he's currently coaching over in Ireland at the moment. So um, it can really... Yeah, I mean, to be fair to him, though, I think he was a bit harshly treated with the uh, he, Rugby Australia, didn't want to sack the person that they should have sacked, so they decided to sack someone else, which is just bizarre. That's right, but I another, guess he... Another bizarre decision from I get, Yeah, I agree with you, but I guess he put himself in that position, didn't he, where, like, you know, um, he was in that scenario that he knew that if it, if it went belly up, for Michael Checker and the Wallabies, that he he was in the firing line as well. So he knew he was taking that risk when he went in there. I think Dan, the only issue I have with Dan McKellar juggling both is potentially, so you've got three other Australian Super Rugby coaches who are spending the months between July and January planning for the season and, and getting their team, you know, everything planned, what we're doing, what week, everything sort of plotted out for the season. Will Dan McKellar still have time for that? He's obviously got the luxury of having a guy like Laurie Fisher and, and Peter Hewitt, who's an up-and-coming coach as well. But that's, that's where you, that's what you lose from the Super Rugby program, I guess. But my, my thought is, why not have all of the Australian coaches involved in some capacity, all of the Australian Super Rugby coaches, that is, involved in some capacity at the Wallabies? Like... You've got you could this. lock the other ones up somewhere. <laughs> well, I, I just think, like, if as you mentioned, they don't have anything to do. There's no games to play between the months of July and December or January. So why not get them into the Wallabies environment and upskill them as well and show them different things or which they might be able to take back to their Super Rugby franchises, is, is my mm. thinking anyway. 
And, and I guess uh, a flip side of that is that um, while they're not in Wallabies camp, uh, Dan McKellar has access to all their top players and uh, could tap them up as well and uh, get them to Brumby's land. Well, that's true. There's a, a lot of talk that um, a lot of players are liking what Dan McKellar is doing. And De Isaac Rodder has signed a contract to go over to France for one year. Don't be surprised if you see him land back in Canberra for the 2021 season at some point or 2022. There is talk that he is keen to come and there's talk he's not the only one that wants to come to Canberra because of Dan McKellar. So um, spoke to James Slipper today as well. He said he's... he James Slipper's a guy who's played under plenty of Wallabies coaches, plenty of Queensland Reds coaches as well. And now Stephen Larkerman... Um, and Dan McKellar at the Brumbies, and he said Dan McKellar has quickly become his favourite coach just because of how what he can do. And he thinks he'd be great for the Wallabies, but he hopes that he stays with the Brumbies as well because he loves him that much. So interesting mm. times. Um, do you think you'd be able to teach the Wallabies how to do a rolling mall? Well, fingers crossed. That's, that's one benefit of him having him in there. Although, aren't they going to take malls and scrum out of rugby and make it like rugby league? <laughs> Could <laughs> use six tattle, tackle sets. Um, yeah. I, I heard a, um, I can't remember where I heard it, but it was a, an interesting little anecdote that um, uh, the World Rugby or whatever the international body's called these days, um, when they approved all those rules for, for Super Rugby AU, um, they didn't realise that they already existed in the NRL. So, um, yeah, yeah yes. they're, they're keeping, keeping across world sport up there in uh, England rugby, aren't they? They certainly are. They um, didn't know you could do a goal line dropout anywhere mm. in the world. They thought they, they thought they were doing these, being the first in the world at some of these trials, but um, yep. didn't know what was happening in rugby league. Fingers um, on the pulse. Just quickly, Polk, a trans-Tasman comp, is that the way that it has to be, do you think, for 2021 and beyond for rugby union? See, I guess... From an Australian perspective, that is the best scenario. But the problem is, is it the best scenario for the Kiwis? Mm. Like, are they interested in playing us? Um, they'd probably, they'd probably take the Brumbies. But I mean, why, why would you play against the Waratahs? I mean, what, what benefit is there in that? Unless you know, it's a glorified training drill. Um, that actually trained next door to uh, Bonnie Doon, where I played oh, the other go. day. You could oh. could hear them training over the fence. Uh, Kirtley Bill waving goodbye yes. uh, in the background. Oh, um, wow. um, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the best thing for Australian rugby, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether the Kiwis view it the same way. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens because the thing about Super Rugby, are we going to be back to normal international travel by January or February next year? You'd, you'd yeah, probably you'd probably say not, wouldn't you? So, yeah, a trans-Tasman comp might be a necessity for 2021 because of the lack of being able to travel to places like South Africa or Argentina or Asia um, freely like Super Rugby needs to do on a weekly basis. Um, and trying to cut costs at a time like this, that cuts out a massive travel budget. For example, the players get to, I think, in their collective bargaining agreement for flights to places like South Africa and Argentina, they get um, business class seats uh, as part of their collective bargaining agreement. But for flights to New Zealand, it's just cattle class like the rest of us. So 
you're saving money there as well. Um, even though their legs are around their ears, some of the big locks I've seen <laughs> struggling to fit in. Um, but yes, all right, Polks, anything else for this week? Uh, no, I don't think so. Very no. good. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining me today. Good luck with golf tomorrow. And um, to everyone else, thanks for tuning in. We'll chat to you next time. Ciao.